the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Now, the baptism of Jesus is far more significant than many of us might understand. And in fact, so much so, it's included in all four of the Gospels. And this event is the beginning of a ministry that will uh, forever change the world and forge the direction of God's relationship with his people. That's Pastor Leighton Sheely. He's the senior pastor at Church of the Highlands in San Bruno. And this is a broadcast called Study, Verse by Verse. We're on the air at this same time, Monday through Friday. And if you'd like to know more about us, you can find those details on the web at highlands.us. You can also let us know that you listen to the broadcast. There's a contact link there on the homepage. That's highlands.us. Now, continuing his study... In the New Testament book of Matthew, here's Pastor Layton. Well, I'd like to invite you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 3. And if you want to know Jesus more, the place to do that is in the Gospels. There are four of them, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. They're the first books of the New Testament. Each is a biographical sketch of the life and ministry of Jesus. And each has its own emphasis. For instance, Matthew is described as the Gospel of the King and Mark the Gospel of the Servant. Uh, Luke presents Christ as the perfect son of man, and John presents him as the son of God. And so when you take the four gospel accounts together, we get a composite picture of the person and the work of our Lord. And since everything that uh, about Christianity revolves, revolves around Jesus Christ, we want to know him more and know more about him. That's why we've chosen to study the gospel of Matthew. Now, Jesus is not equal with any other person or power. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is above all. He is the supreme ruler of time and eternity, heaven and earth, humans and angels. He lives today sitting at the right hand of his Father, and he will return to establish his kingdom here on earth. We speak of him as our King and, our, and, and the king of our kingdom. And, and I, I want to bring something to your attention because we as people have a tendency to see everything through filters. We don't really see every, anything as it really is. And, uh, and sometimes we're aware of our filters and sometimes we're not. And, and the ones that we're probably least aware of are the ones that we grew up with, that were conditioned by our culture and by our family and so forth. And I say that to say this, that I want to bring to your attention, you might be seeing things through a filter, and, and others that you're sharing the gospel with might be seeing things through a filter that, that they don't understand is there. America was established as a reaction against an oppressive king and kingdom. That's why we have a government of the people, by the people, and for the people. And we as a nation have been culturally conditioned to think of all kings and kingdoms as inherently evil. And quite frankly, most of them have been. In fact, there's very few examples of good and godly kings and kingdoms in the history of the world. Even the kings of Israel, most of them were not godly. They were godless, as God said it would be through his prophet Samuel. So 
uh, we're affected by this filter if we've been born or raised in America, and, and I want to make sure that we're aware of it. And when we talk to people, they're affected by this filter as well. So you go up to someone and say, hey, would you like to accept Jesus as your king and be part of his kingdom? There's probably something goes on inside they might not even be aware of it. There's something wrong here. There's, and there's a resistance factor. But let me ask this question. What if there was a king who was all-powerful, all-knowing, all-wise, all-good, gracious, just, and he created and gave wealth to his people instead of taxing it away. What if his kingdom was filled with justice and mercy and truth and righteousness and peace and joy instead of corrupt politicians stirring up division and dissension with rumors and lies? What if that king and that kingdom were so powerful that no enemy or terrorist would ever succeed in any attack against it? What if the health and welfare of that kingdom were such that no one ever got hungry or sick or died or even shed a tear? Now, does that sound like a good king and a good kingdom? It is. Now, those are some impressions from the descriptions in the Bible of God's kingdom. And this is a kingdom that we have an invitation to be an eternal part of, an eternal kingdom, the kingdom of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Now, of the four Gospels, Matthew is the best choice to begin the New Testament because if you jumped from the Old Testament into the middle of the New Testament, you might be confused trying to figure out where the connections were. But the first verse of this Gospel reads, The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ. The New Testament is all about Jesus Christ. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. David and Abraham were major characters in the Old Testament. So right from the very verse, uh, very first verse, our author is connecting the Old Testament and the New Testament together and providing the links. The Old Testament is the record of promises made. The New Testament is the record of promises fulfilled. God promised he would send a Savior, and he did. In fact, the word fulfilled is a significant word for understanding the Gospel of Matthew because it's used about 15 times. And, and the, this gospel is saturated with citations and allusions to Old Testament passages that describe the Christ and how Jesus fulfilled the Old Testament prophecies. And because Jesus fulfilled these over 300 Old Testament prophecies, we can see that the Bible is indeed true and reliable as the Word of God because only God could describe the future with such perfect detail and precision. And because Jesus is the one who fulfilled all of those prophecies, which it is statistically impossible to take place unless God is at work. Since Jesus fills all of those prophecies, he is the one God sent to be our Savior. And we put our faith in him as our Savior and Lord. He is God who became one of us in order to bring us into relationship with God. That's the good news of the gospel. Now, we studied through the first couple of chapters of Matthew back in November, coming into the Christmas season. It's a Christmas story. And we realized how Matthew emphasized the genealogy of Jesus to prove that he was a legitimate heir to the throne of David, the promises of the Messiah coming through the throne of David. We also were uh, told about the miraculous conception of Jesus, which made him uniquely qualified to save his people from their sins, and his birth, which was announced in the heavens, 
and the divine protection of the one born king of the Jews and escaping into Egypt. And then in chapter 3, we were introduced to John the Baptist, the herald who announced the coming of the king. And now we're in verse 13, and, and we're going to be informed about Jesus' baptism. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. Now John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. And then he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Now, the baptism of Jesus is far more significant than many of us might understand. And in fact, so much so, it's included in all four of the Gospels. And this event is the beginning of a ministry that will uh, forever change the world and forge the direction of God's relationship with his people. So let's look at the passage in greater detail. Verse 13 says, Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. And so it says he came from Galilee. Galilee is in the northern part of the region uh, where John was baptizing in the Jordan was in the southern part of the region. So what that tells us is that Jesus traveled many, many miles, probably by foot, to go to where John was baptizing. Now, it's important for us to understand that John's baptism is not the same as Christian baptism. It's not the same, but it was a preparation for it. And the reason we know that is because of what was recorded for us in Acts chapter 19. That's where we find this story. And it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. And there he found some disciples. And he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, no, we've not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, well, into what then were you baptized? And they said, well, into John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, The Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. So the Bible tells us that John's baptism was different from Christian baptism, but was a preparation for it. Verse 14, John would have prevented him, Jesus, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you come to me? But Jesus answered him, let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. And then he consented. Now, if one was careless about reading this, they might conclude that Jesus thought he needed conversion and purification. But John quickly dispels that with his comment, I I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? So it was John's conviction that it was he who needed what Jesus had instead of the other way around. You see, John's baptism was a baptism, a summons to repentance. But Jesus didn't need to repent And he didn't need forgiveness from God because he hadn't done anything wrong. He was without sin. And so therefore, it really doesn't seem applicable. This baptism doesn't seem applicable to Jesus at all. 
John didn't think that Jesus needed to be baptized for repentance. Which then brings up the question, why then did Jesus need to be baptized? Why was Jesus baptized? Well, in the study this week, I came across several reasons. Uh, First, to confess sin on behalf of the nation, as did Isaiah, Ezra, and Nehemiah. Then, to accomplish God's mission and advance God's work in the world. To inaugurate his public ministry, which was to bring the message of salvation to all people. To show support for the ministry of John the Baptist. To give us an example to follow. And to identify with the penitent people of God, thus with our humanness and sin. And we'll pick it up right there tomorrow at this same time as we wrap up the week and Pastor Layton continues this new message in his series from the book of Matthew. If you've just joined us in this series, you can find all of the messages on the website highlands.us. That's highlands.us plus additional information about this broadcast ministry and also the church. That's highlands.us. And please let us know that you've uh, tuned in to the broadcast. I'm Mike Trout. Thanks for joining us. Come back tomorrow at this same time when once again we'll open the Word of God and study verse by verse.